Yeah, might as well. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I start. Yeah. And welcome to episode 115 of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla, that video of you was super cute. Though I did have to look up what how you spell grr. <laughs> yeah, it's not G-R-R-R-R. It's G-I-R. Yeah, and in all caps, apparently. Yes, because it stands for, hold on, I used to know this. What does stand for I kind of assumed that it stood for something just because it was in all caps Gur stands for oh <laughs> when Zim superiors ask him what Gur stands for Gur cheerfully replies I don't know <laughs> so we don't know yeah okay. we, we, don't, we don't know okay I knew there was an answer I just didn't know what it was uh and the answer is I actually had it correctly I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> and this is also the source of my frustration because I spend all this time hard working on like, you know, TikToks for us to post on our TikTok. Yeah. Uh, the one I posted last week to promote the uh, Pine Hill Cemetery and Gloria Ramirez episode, uh, only up to 211 views. Two hours ago, uh-huh. I posted that video you took of me as Gur. Already at 231 views. People love it. The I'm algorithm saying. is pissing me off. <laughs> I worked so hard on that other one. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, this was a straight maybe, you know, maybe maybe I'm the magic factor. Y- you might be. Maybe just maybe we can only post things that I do. Yeah, but then it our posting would be very few and far between because you're so busy. Well, I'm not going to post them. I'm just going <laughs> to document them and send you the content. There you go. There okay. you go. I can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast or not. So this week I have a, a th- have you heard the theory about the two podcast co-hosts? Mm, me? No, I'm just going to say no. No, tell me. So it doesn't hold up all of the time. Right. But apparently in most situations, two podcast hosts, one will look like a put together like parental type and one will look like an adult who never grew out of their teenage years. I'm sorry, which one of us is which? Am you I are the, the put together you're one. You're the put together adult type. It's purely in dress. That's a that's a lot of pressure on me. I really just want to have rainbow hair and dress in all black. It's purely in attire. But I and I started looking some of these up and there are exceptions like Prophecy Girls, both beautiful women who always look put together. For real, though. Yeah. How Steph and Cara always look great. How do they do it? But then there are like Em and Chris. Em and, em and Christine. Yeah. Yep. yep. Mom friend. And then the uh, the adults who never grew out of their teenage years. It's true. I'm 100% a Christine. You are definitely an M. In the Try Guys, 
the podcast of the tripod has pretty much gone down to Zach and Keith just by nature of all the projects Eugene has. Yeah. All right. Keith, put together dad type. Zach, looking like <laughs> never grew out of their teenage years. <laughs> all right. Sounds like a cult. Amanda, mom type. The other one. Yeah. Teenage yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, while it's not always true, uh, we do kind of fit that mold. We definitely fit that mold. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> this is what happens when you have a job where you have to, like, interact. I, we both I have, have jobs that you interact with the public. Look, I asked my boss if I could have rainbow <laughs> hair back, and she said no. <laughs> the, the problem is you asked. I just show up to work like this. What are they going to do, fire me? They uh, might, but not, not so far. I think the worry with a lot of people is that you're just not going to maintain it, so it's going to eventually look bad. But what I what I I didn't like I said I didn't ask I just basically showed up one day with purple hair, mm-hmm. and then a few weeks ago I sure showed up with uh, blue and purple hair, and nobody's told me to stop yet, so yeah. I'm just going to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. It might be because it's uh, you know the the manufacturer I work for is pretty lax compared to other automotive manufacturers. Yes. I'm sure I've said it on the podcast before. I'm just not going to say it right now. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I think that also I had mentioned more recently that I wanted my rainbow hair back, and I think she said something like, please, God, don't do it before the annual celebration. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I'll be so cool. <laughs> Kayla, guess what? What? Look what I got yesterday. It came. Ooh, Ooh gorgeous. We're looking at a very pretty engagement ring, by the way. Love it. I got it in the mail. Steve retrieved it from, like, the stoop. But then he had to go to work, and we missed each other on the way. So I actually drove through that mini snowstorm we had to the Cedar, showed up completely unannounced, and was like, hi, I if we're going to do anything in this engagement that's at least somewhat traditional, I need you to put this on my finger. <laughs> And so he put it on my finger, and then I stayed for a beer, then I came home and edited the podcast. <laughs> Look, these are the kind of shenanigans Romance. he's just going to have to get used to. <laughs> Romance. Uh, anyway. Put the ring on my finger. Put the ring on my finger. <laughs> Do it. Well, anyway, uh, we have a word from a sponsor this week. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's uh, crack on anyway. <laughs> and we're back. All right, are you ready for my story this I, week? I am very ready for your story. You know, it. I knew that it was written in the drive, and I knew that I read it so that I wouldn't do the same story. But in true me fashion, I have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> I am covering the Hotel Monte Vista in Flagstaff, Arizona. Ooh. Have you heard of this place? Apparently it's pretty well known. Um, I know that I've heard of Flagstaff. <laughs> I... Couldn't tell you two things about Flagstaff. I know that it exists. I was going to say, I could tell you one thing, and that's that Hotel Monte Vista is there. That's, that's pretty much it. I feel like there was a reference to it in some movie, but I don't know which one. Wait, is it a zombie land? Is somebody yes. named Flagstaff? No, but I, th- no. I think, uh, well, I'll have to check that out anyway. later. Anyway. Anyway, so the Hotel Monte Vista? Yes. Awesome. The Hotel Monte Vista sits at 100 North San Francisco Street in Flagstaff. It is a gorgeous brick building with one of those cool, giant, red neon signs above it. Yes. We love those so much. Mm -hmm. Very old school. Very neat. 
Yeah. From the hotel's own website, quote, with the mountains and nearby canyon countries, the Hotel Monte Vista is your place to relax while you explore all of the natural wonders of northern Arizona. The Hotel Monte Vista remains the centerpiece for historic downtown Flagstaff. Staying here can give you a true glimpse into the spirited lifestyle of the great American West, unquote. Yeah. Great American West. So, in the 1920s, when tourism in the area was steadily rising, the residents of Flagstaff were like, yo, we need a fancy place for these people to stay. Mm-hmm. A place mm-hmm. with first-class accommodations. Of course, you got to get the rich people in so that they spend the money. Yep. So, I mean, 1920s, the existing hotels were old and outmoded. Basically, just like, here's a bed, stay there. And an outhouse. Yep. Um. So, fundraising began in April of 1926, and within one month, Investments of prominent citizens and funds donated by novelist Zane Gray totaled approximately $200,000. In today's money, that would be $3,399,322. In one month? In one month. Man, I want that community to rally for me. Well, and so there were some very prominent citizens who wanted not just a place for tourists to stay, but a place for them to hang out. Mm, And apparently, I don't know who... Zane Gray is, but apparently he's a big deal novelist. Okay. And that was a... I don't I don't read a lot of 1920s novels. Yeah. So ground was broken on June 8th of 1926. The new hotel opened for business New Year's Day 1927. So it was built pretty dang fast. Well, they had a lot of ambition. <laughs> yeah. They like, were ready. I'm, they probably gave bonuses for staying ahead of schedule. With that money, they could. They're like, look, I just want a bar. Can we have a fancy bar to hang out in? The 73-room hotel incorporated the local post office and a newspaper company called the Cocono Sun. Uh, The hotel's website says that the cocktail lounge opened during Prohibition era, which would have been, you know, at this time, under the guise of a newspaper. So when I sounded questionable with a newspaper company, it's because it sounds like that was a front for a... Cocktails? Cocktail lounge that was not allowed to be there. Mm, (laughs) mm -hmm. It's like a little iffy depending on which source you go, but that's the the biggest thing I could find There are the people who knew, and then there are people who are like, oh, a newspaper was there. So rumor has it that during this time, there were major bootlegging operations and a speakeasy in this space. Local officers put an end to that in 1931. But the popular speakeasy was forced to shut down only to reopen two years later when Prohibition ended in 1933. Yeah. Originally named the Community Hotel in honor of the townspeople who contributed to its existence, the name Monte Vista, meaning Mountain View, was chosen by a 12-year-old contest winner. That's cute. And we love uh, enterprising women on this podcast, so hashtag fun fact. Yes. Mary Costigan was the second woman in the world to be granted a radio broadcasting license in 1927. (sighs) She set up a 25-watt station backstage at the Majestic Opera House, now the Orpheum. And in 1929, Mary moved KFXY to the Monte Vista Hotel. More than 400 residents showed up for her maiden broadcast, kicking off the powerful 100-watt show airing three hours a day. Just the broad of broadcast, that lady. Yep, second ever. Pretty fucking cool. That is I thought you'd like that. fucking awesome. As for that cool light I talked about, the website boasts, a light atop the hotel served as an emergency signal for Flagstaff in the 30s. 
Flashing, it would alert local authorities and citizens of hazards and catastrophes in and around the town. The hotel's current neon sign is still a beckoning light for locals and travelers alike. Aw. It's like here you were like, do you go to hill or to lake? Go to lake. <laughs> just find the lake. Then yeah, you know where you are. If you're lost, just go downhill. You will eventually end up at the lake. Yeah, and then you can find your way home from there. It's my beacon of hope every time. The Monte Vista continued to be the longest publicly held commercial property in Arizona until it was sold to a private investor in the early 1960s. It continues to be one of the oldest hotels in Flagstaff and is listed on the U.S. Registrar of Historic Places. There is a system of underground tunnels that run their way from Northern Arizona University up through downtown Flagstaff. Businesses, including the Weatherford Hotel, Babbitt's Backcountry, and the Monte Vista, have all had access to these basement tunnels. In the early 1900s, a devastating fire damaged many buildings in downtown Flagstaff, and the public blamed Chinese migrant workers Mm. for the fire because of their cooking and cleaning practices. Okay, so racism. After that, the Chinese residents began to use these systems to get around town without being harassed. Oh, that's so sad. These are now used for storage and piping, and it is said that the larger alcoves of the tunnel have been home to more suspicious activities in the past, such as opium dens, illegal drinking facilities, and gambling facilities, which we've kind of talked about a lot in the 20s. Like, people found tunnels, and then they made booze and gambled in them. Yeah, that seems to be an overall theme. Supposedly, moonshine distilleries, gambling machines, and other relics have been discovered in the depths of these tunnels that connect to the Monte Vista. In the 1940s and 1950s, Western movies became the uh, popular American movie of choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And more than 100 movies were filmed in nearby Sedona and Oak Creek Canyon. The Hotel Monte Vista hosted famous guests like Jane Russell, Gary Cooper, Spencer Tracy, John Wayne, and Bing Crosby. I know two of those people. In one of these hotel rooms, a scene from Casablanca was filmed. <gasps> what? That's for mom. Mom loves Casablanca. I saw it once in a film class in college. Did you like it? I remember it being okay. I had never seen it, and so on a Mother's Day date once, mom and I went and saw it at the cinema, and it was pretty cool. I had never seen it in its entirety before that. I like it. I feel like if I could drink a cocktail while watching it, I would like it way better. That makes sense, versus like having to watch it for a school assignment. Yeah, and we were in class, so. Yeah. It's not the same. On top of a star-studded history, this building also has a haunted history. Because that's why we're talking about it on the podcast. Um, In fact, it was John Wayne who reported seeing one of the hotel's first ghosts in the late 1950s. So I kind of remember this story, but I don't know where from where. He described the spirit as friendly and said this benevolent ghost made a brief appearance in the movie star's room. According to Legends of America, in the 1970s, three men robbed a Flagstaff bank near the hotel where one of the men was shot during the escape from the bank. Lying low and celebrating their successful robbery, though how successful could it be if you were shot? One of them got shot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But they were celebrating, and the trio stopped in at the Monte Vista for a drink. However, the wounded man's gunshot injury was more serious than they were taking into consideration, and before he could finish his first drink, he died in the lounge. Today, staff and guests feel as if the robber is one of the many ghosts that haunt the building. One manager reported that he would hear an eerie voice that said, hello, 
or good morning when he opened the bar daily. Well, at least it's polite. Others have told stories of feeling a ghostly presence while enjoying a drink in the cocktail lounge. Okay, okay. All types of other strange phenomena are reported at the hotel by spirits who make noise, um, move furniture around, and just make sudden appearances. They will ring the lobby telephone or knock things down. Both employees and guests have heard band music coming from the second floor lobby when no band is playing. Like band or big band? Well, they said band music, but I assume big band because that was kind of the style of the time. Yeah. Reportedly, the staff has become so accustomed to the odd occurrences that it has become a joke to them and they do not take it seriously, which I suppose is the best haunting situation where you're just so comfortable because you never feel threatened by it. You're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's just that's just the guy who died in the lounge when he robbed a bank. I mean, as long as he's not causing issues. In room 210, uh, also called the Zane Gray Room, in mm, honor of the this gentleman who donated. famous writer. Many guests have been awakened in the night by the phantom bellboy who knocks on the door with the statement that room service has arrived. However, when the guests open the door, they see nothing but an empty hallway, not even a glimpse of somebody escaping down the long hall. How late at night is this happening? It says throughout the night, so I assume that they've been reported at multiple times. Oh, that's annoying. Okay. Others have reported seeing the image of a woman who wanders the halls outside of this room. Supposedly, the hotel avoids putting guests with pets in this room because dogs go crazy with fear and tear up the room. Ah, but it is pet friendly. We learned that, yes. Okay. While room 210 may be the most notorious, the whole floor is kind of a hub for ghostly activity. Just down the hall in room 220, there have been many other reports of strange activity. Evidently, in the early 1980s, this room played host to an eccentric, like, long-term hotel guest or boarder at that point, basically, with how much they stayed. Yeah, And they were known to hang raw meat from the chandelier. I've definitely heard this story. (laughs) Why? I have no goddamn clue. I can't find the answer. It would smell so bad. I cannot find the answer anywhere as to why this man hung raw meat from, like, why? Why? Gross. The 80s was a wild time, man. Was he a hunter? Like, maybe he was There's, like, literally no reasoning. And then it spoiled? (laughs) Sometime later, he passed away in the room. And his body was not discovered for several days. Well, no, everyone at the hotel is probably used to it just smelling like rancid meat. And that's what it's like. So imagine that smell. Meat from the chandelier and a dead body. (laughs) So bad. That is very upsetting. I have a hard time when I forget leftovers in the back of the fridge. Uh, yeah. So today, guests often complain of hearing coughing and other noises from the otherwise empty room. At one time, after a maintenance man had made several repairs to the room, he turned off the light and locked the door. However, returning just five minutes later, the light was back on, the bed linens were stripped, and the television was broadcasting at full blast, which is a thing ghosts like to do in hotels. Maybe they're just hard of hearing. Turn I mean, on the TV you know, they're, and they're far, blast it. They're in, you know, the other world, the nether world, so they need to really crank up that volume to Could be able be. to enjoy television. In the Gary Cooper room, many guests have reported being unnerved by the sure feeling that someone was watching them. Reportedly, two prostitutes were murdered in this room when they were thrown out the window. Wow. 
The two sex workers have also been reportedly cited in the pool hall and the lounge. Okay. Room 305 has its share of reported activity. The most common report, which has been pretty well documented, is that of an elderly woman in a rocking chair by the window. Guests have long told the tale of the chair moving by itself while they're in the room. I mean, it's kind of expected if you have a rocking chair, I'm just going to say. And it knocks against the closet. Uh-huh. Um, apparently, so you can sometimes see her from outside. Okay. And some have been in the room and seen the old woman herself gazing longingly out of the window. Aww. Furthermore, reports say that if the cleaning staff moves the rocking chair, when they come back to the room, they will find it moved back by the window the next day. Because she loves to gaze longingly outside Out the window. her window. While the woman's name is not known, old stories from that hotel tell of another long-term resident, an older woman, uh-huh. who would sit by the window day in and day out, looking out into the world, perhaps waiting patiently for someone to return. Okay, the waiting for someone to return stories are always so sad. Yeah. And as Ghost City Tours ominously puts it, it would seem that she still is. Which oh. makes it even sadder. <laughs> Yeah, you were supposed to have some sort of like, okay, it's the afterlife. I know what happened to that person I was waiting for. I no longer have to wait here. Yep. No. Well, many of the deaths at the Monte Vista were of natural causes. This downtown hotel has also seen its share of nefarious crimes, even murders. Yeah. Murder. They, they, they killed those two sex workers. In fact, uh, many years ago in the early 20th century... Flagstaff's notorious red light district could be found only a few blocks away. Mm. So that's where the story of the two sex workers came from. Supposedly they were working their shift only to be picked up by a man who was staying in that room and looking. That's, oh, by the way, I can't remember if I said it. It's room 306. You didn't. Okay, 306. Okay. And so the two women returned to his room and at some point during their visit, they were uh, killed and dumped out of the window. Now, do we know, did you find out within your research, was this kind of a high-end hotel? Or is it mixed? So when it was started, it was a high-end hotel. I don't know if in that point it was. Okay. I mean, because it was so close to the red light district. I guess that usually brings down property value. But also, rich people love sex workers. Well, and it's hard for me to tell because it sounds like it is kind of upscale again. So, I oh. I mean, I would be surprised if it went down and back up. But most upscale places don't generally have long-term borders. Not all, but a lot don't have that. That's true. Especially ones that hang meats from chandeliers. Yeah, but you must be, like, a very well-off person to get away with that. <laughs> Otherwise, they would just kick you out, right? So... As one would expect with such a violent and brutal murder, those spirits are still haunting that room. Um, Apparently, guests have reported an uneasy feeling of being watched, as I said, but men in particular tend to be affected with some claiming that ghostly hands have been placed over their mouths or throats while they sleep. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just got done (laughs) listening to an audiobook that was all about, like, women taking revenge against men, and it just... (laughs) It's got me all riled up. So a comprehensive list, like that's the most well-known hauntings. Uh-huh. A comprehensive a comprehensive list would be too long to name. Apparently, there's a lot of documented stuff. Most sites just kind of narrowed it down to those main points. Yeah. 
Here's an interesting fact about the Hotel Monte Vista. It was home to one of the first self-service Otis elevators in the state of Arizona. So even though it has been modernized since then, one ghost that isn't talked about as frequently is the uh, old elevator attendant that acts like they're still on staff. Aww. Guests often hear a faint voice asking which floor. And then sometimes they have witnessed a phantom hand closing the elevator gate that doesn't exist anymore. And even a reflection in the mirror upon exiting of a man standing behind them inside the elevator. Have you noticed how many elevator attendant ghosts there are? It's a lot, but it's a repetition. Oh, that would actually make a lot of sense. It's a lot of repetition. Yeah, it's the same thing. Did you see the TikTok I sent you? Day in and day out. Uh, not yet. The elevator boy? Oh, yeah. I didn't understand what I was seeing. I will show it to you later, and then I will share it on the, uh, on the social, social medias. All right. In the basement, the sounds of an infant crying have often been heard. Uh, there's little explanation as to how this child came to be there. There's not any detailed records of it, but people here crying. Honestly, if there's going to be a baby in the basement, there's probably not records of it. It was probably something very terrible. And lastly, there are ghosts of the dancing couple. A pair of ghostly lovers who are seen in the early hours of the morning dancing away in the hotel's cocktail lounge. They are dressed in their formal best and always smiling and laughing. That is beautiful. So I named the the more popular ghosts. These were some of the less Uh common ghosts, but still worth noted in some of my sources. Now for one of my favorite parts. Okay. Some personal experiences. Ooh. In a 2011 TripAdvisor review, a user named Texas Cheryl posted, Stayed here in mid-August 2011. What an experience. Stayed at the Gary Cooper room. Picture two middle-aged best gal pals and one 10-year-old boy fighting for who does get to be in the middle of one huge bed. (laughs) Aw, cute. We elected to take the scaredy cat path and not take advantage of the sleeper sofa. Events included hearing footsteps coming towards us in the hallway when no one was there. My bag got mysteriously zipped back up after I had left it unzipped. And I saw orbs of light hover and then zoom out of one of the windows at about 3.30 in the morning. I would be interested in learning for sure which window and what time the lady of the evening, that was their quotes, so they, they this is the room where the sex workers were killed. 306. 306. Yeah. And they were wondering if maybe that was the window where they were disposed of. Yes. I understand that this was the second most haunted room they have. (laughs) Hotel is something you can easily imagine many movie stars from back in the day stayed at. Rooms are all named after them too. $140 for one of the most unique experiences I have had in a long time. If you are adventurous, go for it. They gave it a great review. I wonder how old that review is because $140 actually. 2011. Mm, that's probably way more now. Oh, yeah, but just it was a good review that included some personal experiences. No, I was thinking about the price of the room. Oh, okay. I was like, 140 that's not bad. Um, a user named BSTAR3 posted a Reddit thread in the Flagstaff subreddit asking if the Hotel Monte Vista was really haunted. Another user named GoodDog2620 said, I used to work there, and I don't believe in ghosts. But we did capture some security footage of an outdoor water faucet turning on and off by itself. 
I don't think there was something up with the pressure, but I still really can't explain how the butterfly valve thing opened and closed by itself. Uh, yeah, it'd be one thing if it opened, but to close up again? Another user named Food Scraps only said, I had a ghostly experience there. Heard two women being super loud and drunk all night. Asked my boyfriend if he heard it too, and he didn't. The next day, I heard about the two female ghosts that haunt the floor we were on, and who knows? I like to think those gals were having a good time. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> if it ended with them out the window, probably not. And then uh, users on hauntedplaces.org, one of my favorite sites for sharing personal experiences, as you know, had quite a bit to say. Um, one user named Preston said, I stayed there from 327 to... 28 in 2016 and I thought it was all just crap until around 11:45. I heard a knocking from the closet which is one of the paranormal events that happened and then I was not able to sleep due to feeling somebody watching my little brother felt the same way and wasn't able to sleep mm -mm. a user named Beth said my family and I went through here and we had some paranormal activity too we went down to the basement and could hear the dancing people then it said that sometimes people could hear the cry of a baby, and we did. When we went up the stairs, and one of the doors had opened on its own when we passed by. Then the mysterious fifth floor was there, and I ran downstairs in fear just for the elevator to open as I reached the bottom of the stairs. I screamed and ran in. Note, if you are ghost hunting, don't run into an elevator that just opens by itself. Well, he found one. <laughs> <laughs> and then... uh. And then a user named Coda said, I was with my friends in Flagstaff. It was raining and our vehicle had broken down. We were near the downtown part of the flag and the Monte Vista Hotel was the first thing that caught our attention. We grabbed all of our things and ran to the hotel. We asked for a room and the mysterious thing that caught us off guard was the receptionist told us to be careful and that it was dangerous. We looked at each other weird and grabbed the key from her and went up to our room. I called my mom and told her what happened and that the roads were closed due to a bad rainstorm. She was worried, of course, but there was nothing we could do but wait it out. I went out into the hallway and heard someone walking behind me. Mm -hmm. Everyone I was with was inside, and I turned to look, and there was nothing. I kept hearing the footsteps, and then someone tapped my shoulder hard. I turned around to see what it was, and there was a pen in front of my feet. I freaked out and went inside where I told them. They told me they heard someone in the hall, but I was standing there the entire time. It was weird, but cool. All right. Maybe that ghost was really into automatic writing, and they're like, pick up the pen. I'll tell you a story. <laughs> so the hotel was featured in Season 2, Episode 1 of Portals to Hell on the Travel Channel and inspired the 2021 indie film A Haunting of the Monte Vista. Huh. And that is the story of the Hotel Monte Vista in Flagstaff, Arizona. Interesting. Um, I didn't like the story about the guy with the meat. Yeah. I'd be very upset. Or the guy who murdered the sex workers. Yeah, that is also very, very upsetting. Yes, that is true. Or the people that robbed a bank and then just let their friend bleed out. Yeah, I wonder how many times he was like, guys, I really need to go to a hospital. And they're like, nah, dude, we're, we're celebrating. We're celebrating. And he's like, but I really need to go to a hospital. See, I don't want to encounter anybody here except for the dancing couple that smiles and is always laughing. What about the elevator guy? Yeah, I that that see I don't like the idea of ghosty elevators. So on a skeptic scale of para to normal, para being five, normal being one, 
what would you give the Hotel Monte Vista? 3.5. Okay, I could see that. I'm going to go 4. Okay, okay. I'm almost there, but not quite. Not quite, not quite. <laughs> I um, I do think that I like how consistent a lot of the stories were throughout multiple sources. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. leans me to leads me to believe more, I guess. Yeah. Though some of them could obviously, like we've discussed have many times, then, uh, have read it and then be that. and then be dramatized or whatever. But you know, hotels they like to be haunted, especially old ones. Yep, exactly. Where people die in meat rooms. <laughs> no, I'm not over it yet. <laughs> whatever, guys. I'm not gonna be over it. I'm not gonna be over it. <laughs> That's very upsetting. Do you have a story for me this week? Wouldn't it be funny if I said no? (laughs) End of episode. End of episode. Just Kayla, no warning, goodbye. (laughs) No, I do. But I want to try and look something up first. Anyway, I don't, it's, it's like there. It's so close to the tip of my brain. Reference of Flagstaff. I couldn't find it. I'm going to think about it and, like, remember at 3 o'clock this morning, tomorrow morning, and just be like, Kayla, I'll just send you one word that describes why I think of that. And I will have no idea what you're talking about. That's what's good about being my friend. (laughs) It's confusing. All right, so tonight I'm going to tell you about Pugin's Porch. Pugin's Porch? Yep. Pugin. Pugin. It's a fun word to say. Uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. So you haven't heard of this before? I have not. All right. Well, located at 72 Queen Street in Charleston, North Carolina, the property now known as Pugin's Porch Restaurant was originally a family home. Built in a primarily residential neighborhood in 1888. Now, there isn't really a whole heck of a lot of history about the house in the beginning. In fact, I couldn't find any information about the residence until a pair of sisters, Zoe and Elizabeth, lived at 72 Queen Street in the early 1900s. You know, I could I could see that because, I mean, how much documentation is there of houses when everything is totally normal? Right. So if there wasn't anything weird until these sisters, then nobody's going to really have that documentation. Also, there is a good chance that maybe they were the first family to live in it. And and I'll get to that. Okay. okay. So so yes, that it was built in 1888. Just keep that in mind. They these two sisters, Zoe and Elizabeth, were the only two children of John and Zoe. She was named after her mom, uh Saint Amund. And the sisters were described as being as close as close could be. With the passing of their mother and father in 1884 and 1907, respectively, and then their brother Alexander in 1929, they were the only members of their family left. Zoe, an elementary school teacher at the craft school in Charleston, is often described as a spinster. Oh, because we really love to put labels on people who never got married. Uh Uh-huh. See, she really actually wanted to find a husband, uh, but apparently she never put in any effort. Yeah. Go go you. Quote, she never dressed like she was trying to make herself look better. (laughs) 
It's just so fucking rude. That's so fucking rude. <laughs> Instead, Zoe always wore long black dresses that made her look tired and older than she was. Back off my long black dresses. <laughs> Again, quote, she was clearly making herself not look attractive or she was completely giving up. I hate all of that. <laughs> I still found a husband, and this is not a dig on Zoe. I'm saying that like, I know. she just <laughs> didn't find the right person to appreciate her long black dresses and her not caring that much about what she looked like. She was probably super fucking cool. Exactly. Yeah, but that's okay because she always had her sister Elizabeth, and after the two sisters decided to basically just give up on men, uh, it sounded like they also decided to just give up on society as well. They preferred each other's company, they never went out, they never had anyone over, and they were essentially thought of as hermits by their fellow townsfolk. I have often thought that I'm a hermit. No, not at all. Okay. I have often thought that if if this doesn't work out with Sean, or he or he passes away, or anything tragic happens where I don't have a Sean in my life anymore, I'm like, I'm just going to pick one sister, and I'm just going to move in. <laughs> Like you, you don't think you have any. You think you have any choice? No, Tara or Sarah, I'm coming for you if anything ever fails with Sean. She's she's turning to the long black dresses and, and no trying. Yep, yeah, trying, <laughs> not trying at all. Uh, she's never dressed up. <laughs> so fucking rude. So yeah, they were best friends. They were great. They were sisters. They loved each other. It was fantastic. Gorgeous. But then in 1945, the worst thing that could possibly happen to Zoe happened. Even worse than being told that she looked old and unattractive. Elizabeth, her sister, became ill and passed away. Oh, no. I know. I tried to throw some humor in there to, like, lighten things up. That's so sad. Yeah. So heartbroken by her loss, Zoe became even more of a recluse. Uh, her mental health began to drastically decline until one night she was found walking through the town yelling her sister's name all night long. Oh, my God, that breaks my heart. I know. The neighbors, scared for her well-being, took her to Bon Syracuse St. Francis Hospital, where Zoe would live out the rest of her days until her own death in 1954. So nearly 10 years. Oh, Brutal. And once again, the history of what happened to the house at 72 Queen Street after Zoe left is a mystery. That is until 1976 when this once family home was converted into the restaurant called Pugin's Porch. And since then, guests and staff alike have reported seeing Zoe. Of course, she is a woman in black. Of course. That was her favorite color. Of course. Now, allegedly, the owners of Pugin's Porch say that folks have been reported seeing Zoe and her ghost long before her former home became a restaurant. Like, apparently, pretty much right after she died in 1954, they're like, oh, Zoe, you're back. That makes, I mean, that makes sense. There's a lot of emotion. Yeah. You know. However, the frequency and intensity of those sightings and experiences have definitely increased since it became a restaurant. So despite her antisocial tendencies in life, she is now just, she just wants to hang out all the time. Yeah. Well, probably because nowadays people are a little bit cooler about the whole spinster thing. Yeah, people are a little bit cooler about wearing all black. Yeah, I mean, that's literally what I said. I wanted to have rainbow hair and wear all black. 
this could be me. Actually, I did have a person. I used to go to this uh, cafe that was in the tech village a long time ago. Okay. Uh, Taka, Tak, Takzumatan or something. I do not know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I would go there before work in the call center, which was upstairs, which, and I always paid in cash until one day I paid with my card. And the girl said, she looked at my card. She was always the person who waited on me pretty much like three times a week for like four months. She looks at my card and she goes, huh, Brittany. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And she goes. I always thought you were more of like a like a Zoe. <laughs> I always think it's funny when people look at you and think they can tell what your name is going to be. Like I in in some instances, yes. Yeah. But for a lot of people it's like I didn't pick this. I didn't know. Like <laughs> my parents picked this. You know how many Britneys there were in my class? I'm guessing a lot. At least 3. I didn't have a very big class. <laughs> Anyway, so one of Zoe's, one of the stories of Zoe's presence comes from the owner, Bobby Ball. One night, Bobby was closing up, setting the alarm before heading out when she heard one of the stools, the wooden stools, fall over. Bobby claimed to have seen it move all on its own, after which a door nearby uh, began to swing and then slam shut. Okay. I think the implication is that it did it multiple times, not just once. There is no information in the story that she didn't just say, like, fuck it, I'm out. (laughs) Fuck this shit, I'm out. But in the story, in my head, I'm going to go ahead and pretend that she did. Another story of Zoe comes from a chef at the restaurant. The chef came in early one morning, made himself a cup of coffee, and then the produce guy showed up. So he sat down his coffee, he went to help the produce guy, but when he came back to his coffee, it wasn't there. Why are all these restaurant ghosts fucking with the cooks? I don't, maybe they're there all the time. Maybe they put the most energy into it. Oh, yeah, and latest. And latest, yep, Mm -hmm. that would track. Okay, Mm -hmm. okay, okay, okay. So he just kind of assumed he was going mental. Like, it was just too early. He was too tired. So he went and made another cup of coffee. But when he came back to sit down, you know, to plan out his day, he sees his original cup of coffee, which he knew that he had made, (laughs) was sitting right there. Except that now it was empty caffeinated ghost the chef claims that upon inspection of the cup he found lipstick marks and his conclusion zoe must love the way that he makes his coffee hell yeah though if she's wearing lipstick i'm sorry who says she's not trying wait i want to know how he makes his coffee like because she wears all black is she one of those people that like i like my coffee like i like my dresses black i don't know i don't know um Another staff member said that she had a late night encounter with Zoe. One night after hours, this staff member was doing some cleaning when she suddenly felt like someone was standing behind her. Least favorite thing. Uh, No, being touched is my least favorite thing. Uh, This is close second. (laughs) She turned around, but no one was there. Not knowing what else to do, she went back to cleaning. Though apparently she felt this looming presence throughout the rest of her shift. But this actually wasn't this particular staff member's only experience with Zoe. Another night she was again closing up when she looked up into a mirror to see not her face, but one of an old woman in a black dress. Oh. The staff member knew immediately that it was Zoe from her photos that are hanging up at 
Pugin's Porch. Wow. A pastry chef for the restaurant was once required to do an overnight to get some extra baked goods done. And while she was baking, she was listening to the radio, jamming out, when she suddenly heard a bit of commotion upstairs. Having assumed that she was the only one in the building, uh, she decided to go and investigate. She searched the entire upstairs, but couldn't find the potential source of the noise. Eventually, she figured that it must have been nothing. It's never nothing. It's never Uh, nothing. So she headed back downstairs to finish her baking. After a bit and not hearing anything new, she decided to turn the radio back on. So after a while, she started to really get into her groove. And then this one particular song came on and she's like, yes, this is my jam. And she started singing along to the radio Mm -hmm. as we are wont to do. Then out of nowhere, she heard someone else singing along to the radio too, right behind her. Don't like that. So she turned around and she just assumed it was just one of her coworkers trying to play a prank on her, sneaking in, making some noise upstairs, and then being like, I'm so excited behind, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so she assumed that it was a coworker, had done all the banging, and then came up behind her, was singing the songs. Title of your sex tape. That one coworker that does all, all the, banging. the banging comes up behind you. <laughs> uh, but this time, because she turned around and there was no one there. This time she searched the entire restaurant, but she couldn't find anything that was out of the ordinary. And since the alarm was set and a code was required to deactivate it, it certainly wasn't any sort of like civilian who was messing with her. Mm-hmm. So she assumed it was Zoe. Zoe seems to be having a lot more fun in her afterlife. Yes. And these staff aren't the only ones to have experienced our ghostly lady in black. One night, a guest and her friend, um, actually this guest just happened to be named Elizabeth, which is the name of her sister. That's nice. Um, A guest and her friend were sitting down to dinner in the restaurant when they felt a little unnerved by the energy in the room. The two women claimed that in addition to the weird energy, they also kept seeing orbs flying around while they were eating. They had been planning on going to the building's ghost tour, but after dinner, they said that they had enough ghostly experiences for the night. I can't blame them for that. No. Can you imagine just feeling, like, unnerved and uncomfortable for an entire evening and then being, like, expected to go do more? You're like, no, I'm good. I already did that. Yeah, I saw saw them. I saw them. I don't need the tour. (laughs) I'm good. Thanks. I had dinner with them. Other folks claimed to see Zoe dressed in black wandering around the house or folks who are staying at the hotel across the street from Pugin's porch have claimed to see an elderly woman standing in front of the window on the top floor. Police have been called, assuming that some poor old lady got locked in, but when they arrive, there's no one there. Okay. But Zoe is not the only ghost at Pugin's porch. Because you see... Such a unique name has to come from somewhere. Yes. As the story goes, before the owners of the restaurant purchased the building, back when it used to be a house, the family that lived there before had a dog. Now, for whatever reason, possibly they weren't as cool about Zoe popping into mirrors or singing duets with them. They left in a hurry. Yeah. And... When they did, they left this sweet little baby angel, this little wiry-haired dog named Pugin. You do not leave a dog. You do not you do not leave any animal. You have that animal, that animal is your family. Yeah. Yeah. 
not sure why anyone would abandon such a lovely, sweet little baby angel. Uh, the new owners decided to adopt him, and they loved him so much and just instantly that they decided to name their restaurant after him and his favorite place. I love that. The porch. I love that. Another story, which I think is a, a little bit less sad in origin, says that Pugin wasn't abandoned. He was astray from the start, who was known to make the rounds in the neighborhood to get food. Every day he would show up at 72 Queen Street, and it just became so much part of their lives that they would actually joke that the porch didn't belong to them. It was Pugin's porch. Either way, I love that, like, this is the cutest origin story for a restaurant ever. I know. So, I also have either way, (laughs) no matter what you believe, uh, Pugin became the unofficial greeter at the restaurant. So people would walk up, he'd be outside, he'd greet them, they'd go in, they'd give him scraps on the way out. He's Pugin was living his best life. Scraps and scritches, the best life. Until his death in 1979. Sounds like the last part of his life, though, was pretty fucking cool. Oh, for dude, a he dog. had the best fucking life. Yeah. Gone but not forgotten, next to his favorite place on the porch resides a little plaque that says R.I.P. Pugin. 1970 to 1979. Cute. Or perhaps he's not as gone as people (gasps) think. Ghost dog! As it is very common for folks to feel him brush up against their legs, people claim to see the shadow of a dog as they walk into the restaurant, while others claim to see Pugin himself, just not realizing that he's not physically there. Oh, I love that. You said you wanted a ghost dog two weeks ago, so ghost dog. Thank you. Thank you. You You're made welcome. me so happy. I know. And Pugin has such a good story. He lived such a good life. So much better than poor, oh, what was his name? The, the cat killing dog. I can't remember. It. I think it started with a P as well. Either way, we like we stand Pugin. Yeah, we stand Pugin. Not, so that yeah, made, that's that made me Pugin so, Oh, That made me so happy. Because, okay, I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm not going to be a downer. I can tell you a downer thing about Pugin's Porch if you want. I don't want a downer thing about Pugin's Porch. Okay. Not trying to be a downer. It's just that, like, ever since Wicket passed away, oh, I just keep thinking I see him out of the corner of my eye. Yeah. In the house. Yeah. And I'll be doing something, and I'll, like, go down the stairs, and I think he's at the base of the stairs because he used to, like, hang out, you know, like, in that section, and then just, like, bleh. Yeah. And, like, sploot there. He's, like, bleh. Yeah. I know about the splutin'. And, uh... It just makes me so happy because then I'm like, you know, when there's other ghost pets, I can be like, maybe it is Wicket. I bet it is. Even before I had Evie, I thought I saw a ghost cat that followed me. And I really hope that it's Starlight. Yep. So we love ghosty pets. Yeah. On this podcast. Yeah. On a skeptic scale of paranormal. Uh-huh. I am going to give Pugin's Porch a four and a half. Ooh. Because I think that such strong emotions from Zoe, yeah, that tracks. Like early on, it sounds like they that she didn't have a bad relationship with her parents or her brother. They just passed away. They just passed really, away really, really like, early, really early. Yeah. So like early on, there was a lot of tragedy, which left a massive bond between. I mean, sisters a lot of times will have really intense bonds. Yeah. Um, but then that added thing of you're the only two left and you get along in your besties and then one of them like I could see those very strong emotions 
fostering that kind of haunting. And then just the idea that she's just having, she's like, you know what? I was a spinster. Fuck everybody. Y'all seem cool. You don't care that I'm a spinster. We're going to party. And the, yeah. I like that. That makes me happy. Like, I love this song. Yeah, let's belt it out, sister. Yep. So you can I, be my new sister. So I'm giving it four and a half. I am going to give it a four. Okay. 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 Um, No, I'm going to give it a four and a half. And I'm going to give it that extra half because I love the idea of Zoe just living her best afterlife. I love it too. I'm just, I'm here for it. Like, get it, girl. Yes. You don't need no man. <laughs> You don't need no man. I found a great one. We both found great men, but it took a while. <laughs> Trust me. Took a minute. <laughs> took a minute. It takes a while. <laughs> There's a lot of bad ones out there. You didn't make an incorrect choice in going for spinsterdom. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, oh, there's always that meme of, like, bisexual women who, like, are like, I love, I love women. They're gorgeous. They're amazing. They're one golden retriever man yeah. shows up, and you're just like, oh, life. Anyway, I did just see that it was uh, I, I saw the one that was um, realizing I'm bisexual and it's like, yeah, yeah, party. Awesome. Look at all the things. And then how did I end up with a cis white man? Oh, yeah. A white man. No. Sorry. <laughs> if you have any paranormal stories you would like to share with us <laughs> or, you know. A suggestion for a place, anything. Uh, Sarah, I have not forgotten about your cryptid. I just said I had to get through some haunted locations before I could do another cryptid. So Mm. just keep that in mind. My sister, I also did not forget about your request. Just give me some time, (laughs) y'all. So if you have anything you'd like to throw out there, you can do so by emailing us, leftofskeptic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and click the listener stories tab at the top of the page. You can also click the link tree in our Instagram or um, the bios for the actual podcast dreamies, like mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever. Spotify as well. Yes, Spotify as well. We actually post through Spotify, so we should give them some love. Sorry, it's just a, like, by instinct. Yes, you are right. We do post through <laughs> Spotify for podcasters. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. We are on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, at Left of Skeptic. And Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. Please come follow us on TikTok because Kayla's getting sad. She tells me all the time that we don't get enough views. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know what it means. So I'm spoiled. Let's just call it like it is. I am spoiled. I'm going to look at these numbers right now. Are you spoiled or are you showing off right now, Kayla? No, I'm not spoiled or I'm not showing off because I am legitimately like I'm not that big of a deal. But on my, because of the two viral videos I had on my thing on my my personal one all related to cars <laughs> because ugh, fucking cars all of my two viral videos i have 1500 inst or uh tiktok followers right that lets me post live oh. i want to post live on our on our like podcast tiktok but it won't let me because you need a thousand followers and we only have 84 wait we only have 84 followers on the Yeah, dude, I have 112 and I've literally never posted anything. That's what I'm saying. Mm. So please follow us. I just want to I just want to do a live. And you know what? Follow follow me, too, because maybe someday I'll post a video. Unlikely. And (laughs) maybe someday (laughs) it'll be amazing. You guys don't know and you'll be the first ones to see it. (laughs) 
All right. Well, thank you all for joining us this spooky Wednesday. We love you all and appreciate you very much. It's true. We do. Okay. Okay. Oh, geez. I thought you normally do happy spooky Wednesday. Oh, you're right. I do. I don't know what's going on with my brain. All right. Happy spooky Wednesday. Okay. Okay. Bye. Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc, and our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye!